Action Park Media. This shit is crazy. Welcome, Victor the Podcast. Exciting day. One of my favorite athletes coming on, Doc, that he just came out with. Uh, Meta World Peace is going to be on today. And we're doing an opening because uh, he's a little late, and as is Dylan. They're stuck in traffic. <laughs> Dylan and Meta World Peace are probably commuting together and they are stuck in traffic. You think they're in the same traffic? <laughs> You know, they could be in the same traffic. You know, what would be wild is like Dylan to get in a road rage incident and realize that it's Meta who beats the shit out of him or stops going, I'm on my way to see you. Or you see Meta will come in nice and zen because he's Meta World Peace. He'll be very, very calm, cool, and collected as opposed to Dylan who will be frazzled coming in with traffic. What if we change Dylan's name? Like, what could be a great <laughs> name for Dylan? I don't think you should give Dylan any nicknames <laughs> prior to his approval. I got to be honest, though. I, I am excited about this, not just because I love Meta from St. John's times on. I thought he was going to go to the Knicks at one point. He did for a second. But when he was a rookie, I thought he was going to go to the Knicks. But the mental health stuff that's going on right now is so fascinating, the way the world has turned so quickly. And I'm not sure if people like realize it all of a sudden, like Marshawn Lynch was doing these weird interviews five years ago, seven years ago, and people were getting really pissed at him, fining him this and that. And now the athletes are a taken over where they don't, they don't have to do stuff that they don't want to do. And it's going to happen more and more. Yeah. I mean, like Mark Cuban talked about it, you know, social media has kind of taken a little bit of the power away from the media and put it back in the hands of the athletes. Speaking of Mark Cuban. Wait, I want to get into Mark Cuban in a second, but I'm not done with these docs because there's also, so Malice in the Palace, I hope everyone watch it, but also the untold story about Marty Fish, who's a tennis player with Andy Roddick is a great story as well. And because I have my own personal connection with Marty, who I love, even though he does not like me. But what happened was on the pickleball court, Marty Fish, top 10 tennis player in the world about a decade ago. We're playing pickleball and Marty's, listen, there's nothing I could do to even remotely be the athlete that this guy could be. I could spend every second of my life doing it. Of but, course. you know, we're playing doubles pickleball and I like to win and Marty was playing tennis and not pickleball. So I said, hey Marty, get your ass to the net. Did and you say get your ass to the net or like, dude, you gotta go to the net? I don't know what the exact words, you know me. I was probably like, Marty, get your fucking ass to the net. I wasn't shy. And uh, he uh, he didn't talk to me. He walked off the court. He blocked me and my girlfriend. By the way, just want to say, and I, I do like Marty. He would write all these comments on my girlfriend's Instagram. She'd post a picture and he'd be like, you could do better. Okay, funny. Kidding. I thought it was funny. but So he blocked but he blocked and, Sarah. and poor Sarah. That's odd. He blocked That's her. Odd. But anyway, I said at the time, I said to, because then he called a friend of mine. I'll leave his name out of this. But he said, uh, he said, I don't need an aging screenwriter telling me how to play a racket sport, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which he had a point. You know, it's not a bad point. I mean, you're not an aging screenwriter. I mean, you're aging, but you're not an aging screenwriter. <laughs> well, I don't really write anymore. So I'm not a screenwriter. Is that what you meant? I am aging, but not a writer. So correct. But anyway, I said at the time, I said, does Marty like, and I wasn't being an asshole. Does he have some issues? And he didn't really answer me. Now I watch the doc and, and he does. And I think that what's interesting about what's happening in the world now 
And when you watch Malice in the Palace, you you do realize it doesn't make excuses for people's bad behavior. And there's no way that Ron Artest or Meta World Peace can jump into the stands. But you understand what people are going through in a, in a tough time. And the reason I'm so fascinated by it, and I've talked to you a little bit about this, but there were times when I was on Entourage where the anxiety level was so high that I was just like, I want this to end. I don't want to do this anymore. Even though I know this could lead to the next 30 years of my life being great, money and this and that. And I think it's important for everyone out there to know a lot of people go through a lot of shit. And I think the best thing that's happening in the world right now with a lot of bad shit happening is people are starting to get that and start to go like cancer. Mental health shit is real. People are starting to accept the narrative of like, hey, we just don't really know what that person's going through. Yep. They can be going through something and where, you know, it probably wouldn't have been acceptable 10 years ago. Now you go, yeah, man, you don't, you don't know. I mean, yeah. I think everybody has their own version. And that's that. why I want to go into now uh, Connolly's, not his mental health, but Connolly's an interesting take on life. But last night, and I'll have to read this email, but we're exciting things are happening at Action Park Media, which again- Before I, you get into the email, tell them what it is. Okay, so when you were here, when, when Mark Cuban was here, he, you know, when he did his episode, he talked about something that he was starting in the podcast space called- um, Fireside. Fireside Chat, which is uh, basically an elevated version of uh, what was the what was the one clubhouse, clubhouse but a better and just a little more. It's just going to be like a real interactive podcast situation, and maybe we'll be able to do something with Victory with that or Hollywood Ways. So we get an email here at Action Park, and Mark Cuban is on the email, and it's from Mark Cuban's fireside chat people, and they want to meet us. Yeah. Here so at I w- Park. so I want to read the email because I came home. Well, we agreed to the meeting, right? We're excited. We're like, yeah, I'd love to do it. Let's have the meeting. So <laughs> yeah. now it's setting the meeting, yeah, right? I, yeah. But I like how Kylie's like, we agreed to meet Mark Cuban. No, yeah, I obviously. mean, like, the, we but, begged. But this to meet email, Mark. this isn't the first email. There were, we had agreed we were going to meet on whatever the day. Now let's talk specifics. So right? yesterday I get home and I've been away for a little bit. I haven't taken an edible in like a week. So right. uh, I think the tolerance actually changes quickly. So I, I took 10 milligrams, which, you know, is not that much, but I'm high. But as everything a about you changes with 10 milligrams, bro. <laughs> but I'm like sitting there and don't check your emails and don't text with people that you're talking business with when you're high. It's just not smart. It just is. But I get this email and it says, but we're all on this one, right? We're all on. Sophie's this. on this one. I'm on this one. Yeah. Okay. We could do five to six 30 on Thursday or Friday morning. Okay, so I get this email and I'm very high and I'm like, I, I, I'm i about to respond like, yeah, you know, it really doesn't like work like that. out. I was going to say something kind of obnoxious, like it really doesn't work like that in Hollywood. Like Mark Thank Cuban God does not work. Do you know? But then I took like a few minutes. I'm like, there's no way that's what this meant. There's a period missing and they're saying 530 or 630 Thursday night or Friday morning. Anyway, but you're not the only one that read it that way because Sophie says in on, the office. on the APM chat, like, um... <laughs> Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Guys, uh, they want to meet at 5.30 a.m. Right now, everybody has a different reaction to this. Me, personally, I lit up like a Christmas tree. I'm like, this is a fucking Mark Cuban test. <laughs> He's testing me, and he wants to see. I want. Let's let's throw an early meeting at him. Let's see what these fucking guys are made of. I was fired up. I was like, well, I, I love bring the donuts. I love because Connolly calls me, and now I've already realized this has to be a typo. But Connolly's like, listen, uh, I know it's. By the way, I love when he talks like he's my boss. By the way, but he's like, I, I know it's boss. early, but you know, we really got to do this this meeting with Mark. I'm like, are you out of your fucking <laughs> mind? At five thirty, you want to do the meeting? By the way. 
I just want to say what my reaction was, my anxiety level at the first email was like, Connolly is going to see this and go, go fuck yourself. I don't care if it's Mark Cuban or Luka Doncic texting me. No way. But that's not what you went. You were I excited. Was like, I was so excited. I'm like, this is it. This is my moment. Mark Cuban is ready to come into Action Park, but he wants to throw a little tester out there <laughs> and see if I will respond. What kind even, of heart you have. Well, though, if I would even respond to that being too early or whatever it is. So I was ready to go. I told everybody, I was like, yo, I mean, listen, Stock Tip Dave looks a little dicey at 10 a.m. I don't think we have him in here at 5. 5 a.m. is a little early. For so Stock you were going to make the whole office come in. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to make it, but I wanted to, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted it to appear like, yeah, this was business as usual and that there was nothing out of the ordinary about a 5 a.m. meeting. And, and, <laughs> 5 a.m. And, and, and we would pass this test with flying colors. Now, I don't and hadn't had an edible, but I believe I had some tequila. So I was buzzed, but I was I was pumped. I was yeah. fired up. And then collectively we go, this has to be a tactical, Well, you right? call you called me and I couldn't believe your attitude. Connolly was like, yo, we got to get ready. We got to look good. And I'm like, and then, I was ready to do hair and makeup. Bro. I was going to have I, racing. Hair. I was still a little high. So I'm like, wait, what if Connolly's right? What if they, what if they really did mean 5am? Okay. So, but anyway, I sent the message back. I'm like, is a period missing from this possible sentence? possible that there's a typo in this email? Is it possible there's a typo in this email? So my dreams uh, were crushed because I really thought, what if, and by the way, what if I must have been, I don't, I don't know, I didn't feel drunk, but I must have been because I was thinking, I really, really, truly thought part of me in the back of my head thought maybe this is, maybe this is the last test before he comes in and makes a play at Action Park. Media. Maybe, really maybe you will. Well, that's the thing because Action Park is moving to an amazing new studio. Yeah. We will no longer be harassed or threatened at this place soon. So, but I, you, I think you got to have the meeting there. I mean, that's an impressive space. I, I mean, no, I know it's not ready, oh, but Cuban's not going to be there. And I also, realized, how do you know Cuban's not going to be I, there? I, listen, I put nothing past Cuban. I, I, I would have been great if my, First theory, if he was testing us and he came in and we were like, hey guys, how are you? Could get you a coffee, get donuts. And we were going to do bagels. We were going to do the whole thing. Well, By since, the way, Kevin Dillon has pulled up. Kevin okay. Dillon well, up. I was about to say, because you think Kevin Dillon or Meta World Peace is showing up at 5.30 a.m.? Ah, well, we, we clearly wouldn't have had Dillon at that meeting. Victory the podcast. We've got a great guest here. Queens native. I'm a big fan. He was one of my favorite college players when it was going on. And then uh, we had him on the Knicks for a minute. And then he went and won a championship for the Lakers, which I'm still happy about, but I'm a Laker (laughs) fan. So it was good for me. Meta world peace. What's happening? Meta. Everything's good, man. It's an honor to be here with you guys. Hey, you are Queens Boulevard, bro. (laughs) He's uh, he's our homeboy from Queens. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you're living out here now. And uh, how is that going? And you're starting a podcast. Yeah. I mean, um, I kind of stayed away from media for a long, long time. Cause when I got to LA, I guess in 2010, I was all about it. Then I kind of burnt out. So I just kind of went away for a while. But now I got a podcast and I'm living out here. But I've been here since 2010. Right. And any new albums? I mean, you rapping or what? I know. Actually, my last season, I did three albums. Wow. Um, I did Did three albums my last. But I didn't put them out. I just like kind of recorded it, put it on iTunes. And then I took it down. I took like all my music off iTunes. Why is that? Because um, it wasn't how I wanted it to be. It wasn't perfect. You know, I was trying to tell a story. But I'm the type of guy I can do it by myself. But when you're doing music, like you need producers, you should have writers, you should have like an A&R. And, yeah. and, and doing it by myself, it never came out how I wanted it to, to come out. So I just 
I took it all of iTunes. Yeah. Dylan has some folk songs that he's never released, which hopefully uh, <laughs> we'll get at some point. You used to carry a mic around, didn't you? Like in the car yeah, and did. just freestyle? I went, I went. I had a studio in my, I had an excursion. When it, did they still sell excursions? I don't know, but I had I an know. excursion. <laughs> and Ford I put excursions. a little studio yeah, in it's yeah, around. Yeah. They still have them? Yeah. Lo- love music. Music is good. So I, I want, you know, just get started. You won a title with the Lakers. I yeah. Think, I think in 2010. And I just, just, we're all such huge Kobe fans. I just love to get a little like, how was it playing with Kobe? Uh, you know, was the practice, were you, were you the one on him in the practice giving him shit or what? Well, you know, in training camp, you start out training camp, you got about maybe a 20 plus roster. Mm-hmm. So the everybody's mixed in. And then uh, I had some, uh, you know, interaction with Kobe in terms of being on the opposite side. But Phil Jackson, he likes his five, his starting five, to play on the same team all the time. Like, never likes to really put somebody on the other team. Because he wants you to build chemistry, constant chemistry. You know, so me and Kobe, we had like a couple times where we competed against each other. And then maybe in some drills. And uh, I really enjoyed it because he's so competitive. And, oh, yeah. You know, he's so competitive. And it just showed why he was so good. He, was, he would score when I would think I have him. Yo, you know, yo. I would think I have him in a bad spot, yo. and he just get out that bad spot. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. like he incredible. That's interesting to know about Phil, though, because anyone who's listening is not a basketball fan. Meta is definitely one of the best defensive players we've seen, Ever. and I, I would think that Kobe would want to be going right at you he in did. practice. <laughs> yeah, but but not even in <laughs> practice. I don't know if you guys remember when Meta played for the Rockets in 2009 in that playoff run. Him and Kobe looked like they were. Oh ready yeah, to yeah. Kill you each guys other. almost came to blows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then next year he was on the team. So clearly Kobe's a guy that wanted guys that yeah. weren't afraid to go up against him. Correct? Kobe liked tough guys. He liked tough guys. He, and Kobe was extremely tough. I knew he was tough, but yeah. playing with him and practicing with him, then I saw like, oh, wow, this guy really is tough. Yeah. You know, it's not a, kind of, it's not a chink in his armor in terms of toughness. And I could tell you guys, you guys were good friends, too. I could see that there was a lot of love between you. It was, it was. In, in the end, when you guys won the championship, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It was It was more like a thing where, because, you know, Kobe is publicly a kind of an introvert, right? Yeah. Um, not too social with the exception of a few people, but he's all about the game, mm-hmm. you know? And then I'm kind of the same way, right? So it was, like, really interesting because we we had a good relationship, but it was based off... Work ethic. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It was like, I'm coming to work every day. He's the man with the Lakers. I'm just coming in, but I'm coming bringing that work. And it wasn't like we go out to eat lunch. It wasn't like we go, we were like, we never had dinner. We never had lunch. But it was always like, we're going to war today. Yeah. You know, yeah, and right. it was like that mutual respect. And and everyone says that about you, aside from we know, Meta, there were some incidences that you had <laughs> at times, but no one ever questioned your work ethic and that you were one of the hardest working guys in the league. Do you think that's just something you're born with or did that family instill that in you? Where does that come from? I mean, a lot of things, you know, I think like every team I was on, I always wanted to be the hardest worker and I always wanted to work harder than the the last guy on the bench, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I felt get bad for that last guy on the bench sometimes because I'm always trying to work harder than that guy because I know they're trying to make the team. So they're trying to work harder than everybody, right? So that's the type of energy I brought, but I brought that every single day, you know? Uh, and sometimes, you know, I, I don't really miss it, to tell you the truth, because um, being that motivated is, I don't know, I felt like I didn't get a chance to live like life. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, biting down, Every single possession, every practice, thinking about practice, and um, I don't—I feel like I missed out on a lot yeah. with that type of intensity. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, yeah, because yeah. you were known for your hard practices too, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you would go hard and practice. <laughs> Man, I had practices. My first Chicago Bull practice, I body slammed Tony Kukoc. I, I was a rookie. <laughs> Fight with Tony Kukoc. First practice. Scotty right? Pippen probably loved it. Tony Kukoc <laughs> getting a lot of heat over the years, hasn't he? I love Tony Kukoc. He's a great guy. I, 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 I just met him in more. Chicago. We played in a golf tournament. He's a oh, great you was there? guy. Yeah. And I saw a pictures. good golfer, man. He's a really good golfer. I saw a bunch of pictures online of with Tony. I love Tony. Yeah, good dude. Good dude. But your body slammed him on the first day of practice. <laughs> he, was, awesome. he was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. Well, it wasn't my fault because he, I was a tough defender, you know, I'm a, yeah. and I'm bringing it, right? So when I was guarding him in practice, I was giving him no room, you know, and, and they're like, who is this young defender? So he got mad, hit me with a couple elbows in the chest. The first elbow, I'm, I'm pretty tough. So I'm like, okay, a little nice little elbow. It's cute, right? And then another one came. I was like, hmm, this is the NBA. Then two, three more came, and I'm saying, hmm, I think he might think I'm soft. <laughs> right? So then I just kind of took body it to the next it. level. All right, but I, <laughs> give, give me a body slam away. I, I mean, you said it wasn't your fault, and you body slammed him. So let me let me hear how that goes about, that it wasn't your fault. Well, I was extremely upset. So I was on, I was guarding him on defense. He was like, oh, oh, right? So he hit me with elbows in my chest. Um so then I'm going back on offense, but I'm thinking defense, right? <laughs> so I'm going back on offense and thinking defense. I just picked them up and scooped them. Wow. I love that you say it wasn't your fault, though. So it wasn't mean, my fault. The fact that he elbowed you fault. made it his fault. It yeah. was his fault. But he's, a, but he's a great guy. I remember playing behind him in Philly. He had 33 points. It was his last game because he had a bad back at that time. Right. And then he had, I remember playing behind him. You're like, I'm going to learn so much. And he was one of my favorite players because when I changed my number to 23 in Indiana, it was for Michael Jordan. Yeah. yeah. Then I changed it to the 91. And next year, when I got suspended in 91 in Detroit, oh, my goodness, <laughs> for Dennis Rodman, right? So I, it was what a coincidence. But then I was going to go 33. Then I was going to go number seven. Then I was going to hit B.J. Armstrong. I was going to change my number to all my favorite Chicago wow. Bull players. Wow. But it just got cut short. <laughs> I love that you do that because usually people want to stick to that number, but uh, or stick to that name. Yeah, well, that Meta doesn't <laughs> stick to a name or a number. I you get bored. <laughs> Wait, when you were in China too, you had another some panda name, right? What was you? Well, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the panda's friend. The panda's <laughs> friend. I love it. <laughs> so, but let's let's go back. To, let's go back to Queens, right? Is it true that you and Lamar Odom like you guys grew up together? You guys yeah. like. Like in the same neighborhood, you knew him when he was a kid, when you were teenagers, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, Lamar was from Jamaica, from where, like Fifty Cent is from, right. and I was from Queens, where like Mob Deep, MC Shan, Nas, mm -hmm. where they from. But um, the first time I saw Lamar, we was ten years, eleven years old, actually. We was the same height, and then one <laughs> summer he came back six inches taller than me. <laughs> wow! Right, and I'm just like, oh my, how do you, how did you do that, right? And then um, we played in a tournament in Ravenswood on 21st Street. And then from that point, he grew a relationship with some of my friends in Ravenswood, which was about maybe five blocks from Queensbridge, where I'm from. Um, and then, so I, I would see him more, and we played on the same AAU team, got drafted the same year. He went number four, I went number 16. Mm -hmm. um, got a championship together at the Lakers. Yeah, that's cool. You know, Lamar yeah. was our, our first celebrity to come on Entourage. You know? Oh, wow. Great oh, set wow. of calves on Lamar, but... Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but, what do you do for your calves, Lamar? <laughs> <laughs> but Lamar, I mean, 
he he must have been some kind of freak when you were younger. I mean, how good did everyone think he was? And when he hit that six inches taller and playing point guard, that must have been something. It was insane of... because it was me, him, and Elton Brand. But you know, Elton Brand went number one. Right. So uh, we had other pros on that team. It was incredible. Speedy Claxton, who went to the yeah. Spurs. <laughs> you know, it was an incredible team. So um, when Lamar came back six. Six and then grew to six eleven. You know, he I was always a small forward, but Lamar was always like the point guard slash shooting guard. But he would just play the point six nine point guard. You know, it was just incredible. Yeah, he's yeah. unreal and, and unreal. A really interesting guy too, and a, and a thoughtful guy. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hoping everything's good. You still in touch with him? Yeah, I speak to him often. I'm glad he's uh you know back you know on the other side. He had a scare, and then I remember going to visit him. And Chloe gave a lot of people access to go see him, so I was happy about that. Got a chance to see him um, on that side and on the other side. And now he's back active. You know, he's out. He's out. He's celebrity boxing. You know, he's like in the community. He's uh, getting back at entertainment. You know, I'm, I'm really happy for him. Nice. I'm really happy I, for him. I, I might have missed it. What what scare in what way, though? Was he, uh... he just well, had some he, issues. He had a big scare. I think I know what you're talking he, about. Yeah. <laughs> he had a big scare, um, which was kind of tough, like, thinking about. You know, but, you know, obviously with entertainment, sports, comes a lot of pressure comes with that. Yeah. A lot of pressure comes with that. And you're not ready for life at that point. Well, I, I think that's an interesting way to segue into it. Because, I mean, we got the three of us in this room who have our own mental health issues <laughs> that we deal with. But, you know, we all watched Malice in the Palace, which is, uh, first off, are you happy with how that doc came out? Do you feel like it was a good depiction of the situation? Um, I mean, I didn't like that I wasn't the executive producer of the doc, <laughs> but um, I like the doc. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it came out really good. Um, a lot of people was asking me, "Do a do a story on the bro? Do a story on the bro?" I'm like, I don't really want to. Let you know, people should know about you. I, I don't really care what people think about me. You know, um, like everybody deserves their opinion. That's your opinion, and keep it with you, right? But when Jermaine came to me to do the doc. And I was telling him, I'm like, hey, let's just get paid, man. Let's just try to make money off the doc. I wasn't thinking about changing the perception. Mm-hmm. But Jermaine was thinking about changing the perception. So in my mind, I'm like, man, let's just do it ourselves. Let's put hardcore rap music. <laughs> right? <laughs> and Jermaine is like, you know, no, we're not putting no music. I'm like, Jermaine, we need control of the music. We gotta, we need the hardcore hip-hop. <laughs> right? And then me and Jermaine start arguing. Man, after all I've, he's like, after all I've done for you. And I'm like, we like going back and forth. So anyway, I signed on to do the doc, you know, which ate me alive, right? <laughs> and then um, and when you fast forward and you see the doc, and I called him, I'm like, you did a really good job. Yeah, so for anyone yeah. who hasn't seen it, Malice in the Palace is untold uh, on Netflix about uh, the fight, which, you know, why there's a connection to Entourage to it, because the guy who stepped on the court looked like Turtle. And, uh, <laughs> there was, like, real conspiracy <laughs> theories. People really thought it was him, which is crazy. Really thought it was I'll tell you what's crazy, because I, I, I got a, a lot to talk about that, Doc, but what's crazy is, is that anyone could be that fucking nuts that they would step to either of you on the floor there. But I guess yeah. what, what, you know, what I, <laughs> that's crazy. I, I mean, it, it really is. And, and I think Reggie said it best. God forbid Jermaine would have connected with that guy. Cause for anyone who knows basketball, there was a famous fight where Rudy Tomjanovich uh, got punched in the face during a basketball game. And it yeah. honestly changed his whole career. Well, he never recovered from it. He that, never man. recovered from it. And that guy who's, 
I wanted to talk to you about this. You now have reached out to the fan that threw that cup. Is that true? Yeah. Because, like, so that happened 2004, mm-hmm. right? So I get suspended. And meanwhile, people don't realize before 2004, David Stern already called me into the office and said that my career might not last past a year because I was getting in lots of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> people don't even know the trouble I was getting, right? So, so I'm on eggshell, so I'm trying to change my whole life at this point. So I could enjoy the game, you know, and play the game the way I could play. So, you know, then after the brawl happened, I go into a little depression, right? So I'm, I'm training. I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to get back. It said indefinitely. So I'm like, I don't know what that word means, but it's something indefinite. Maybe I got a shot. So I'm training month after month. Nothing happens. So I go into a little depression, right? And then um, at that time, I come back the next season. You know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm averaging 20, but I'm still not the same. So I was trying to get out of Indiana. And then when I got out of Indiana, I actually got suspended again from Indiana the next season. For, well, for what? I don't remember that. Just for detrimental. <laughs> Conduct unbecoming <laughs> of an NBA player. Right. <laughs> so I got suspended and they just released. And then I went to the Kings. But by that time, I'm out partying and all, all type of stuff. I get to the Kings. I'm 273 pounds. Right? Meanwhile, I'm 248. Right. Wow. So I get to coach Rick Adelman. And Rick Adelman's like, hey, you know, we're happy to have you. We're going to change this thing around. We're in last place in the West. So I, t- I say, coach, I'm going to be real with you. I'm 273. I can give you some minutes, <laughs> but I can't be effective. And he came to me and he said, he said, we're going to go as far as you take us. You playing, we're going to go as far as you take us. When he said that, it kind of triggered me. And it made me feel like people love me again. Like, it made me feel like basketball was back in my life. So I started to dedicate myself and, you know, work hard, work hard. Took the team to the playoffs. Made first team all defense. I ain't even in the West. I ain't even played the whole, I ain't even play half the season, right? So, and then um, I started to become, I would say, more vulnerable, you know? And then I wanted to, I wanted to heal wounds. And John Green was somebody that was on my mind a lot because he threw the cup of beer at me, right? <laughs> so... I said, you know what? Luckiest throw ever, too. Yeah, I mean, right. Threw that from way back. Way and, back, man. It was a, that, that, that's a and story it landed in basically on your head, you know, from all the way back down. But so, so he was <laughs> yeah. on your mind because you felt. I, I'm just interested to hear because I, I yeah. just on the dock. I hate this guy's fucking guts. Yeah, I mean, he made but, himself look bad. I was trying to make him look good because I, I know I we speak. I got you know. So I reached out to him and I, I went on Twitter. I said, if anybody could get me in touch with this guy, I'll take you to dinner. <laughs> and initially it said John Green, then I deleted it because I didn't want nobody to think I was trying to find John Green to fight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I just yeah. put his picture Be up. Be a real good fight, by the way. It'd be a great fight. <laughs> uh, maybe not a great fight. <laughs> but, uh, Two seconds. Yeah, something like that, maybe. But uh, so when I put the picture up, this fan said, I know who that is. That's John Green. And they found me his number. So I call his house. His wife picks up and says, I say, hey, this is Ron Artest. <laughs> well, it's pretty crazy. She picks up and says, this is Ron Artest. Uh, that's I amazing. And I say, I want to speak to John. And she says, get that fight here. This ain't Ron. Stop playing. Stop calling my... I said, for real, it's Ron. I want to speak to John because I think like we could do some good things because we, we know what happened. And she spoke to me for about minutes and she says, John Ron's on the phone, right? <laughs> this is crazy, right? She said, John I just Ron. want everyone to know, though. So the, the, the malice in the palace, the fight starts because this guy, John Green, threw a cup that hit Ron and Ron went up into the stand. So anyway. A, a cup of beer. <laughs> and by the way, I tasted it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so you were a little buzzed when you got up. I, I was a little bit. <laughs> I was drunk in the stands. <laughs> All right, so he gets on the phone, and what does he say? So then he's like, hey, Ron, what's up? Like, 
it was the craziest. It was crazy to me at that time. I'm like, how does somebody say what's up? Like they know you, yeah. right? Like he's, he, he, this how this how crazy good crazy as his guy is, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right. So then we speak, and I'm like, yo, we know what happened. He apologized. The first thing he did was apologize. Sorry for what I did, and that made me respect him more. Mm-hmm. Then he told me the story. I said, by the way, man, you never noticed, but the guy made a bet. The guy that I went, everybody said <laughs> I hit the wrong guy. He bet John fifty dollars that John couldn't hit me. So when John hit me, when I just got hit, I see a guy like this. So in my mind, you just hit me because yeah. you happy I got hit. Yeah. I could have been wrong, yeah. but I wasn't. Yeah. Right. So he bet John that, and then that was, and then I was, I said, you know, we should do some good things. We should go around the different parts of the city. I mean, the country, right, and talk about drama because in my hood, people be having drama. Yeah. Right. And but they can't get over that drama. People be dying because of drama. Right. So I'm like, we could actually turn this into a big positive, mm-hmm. right? So and he was with it. So then at that time, so that's that's where that came from. That's why I reached out. And then he was with it, but we couldn't get enough support. You know, I thought it was brilliant, you know, but we couldn't get enough support <laughs> I, to- I thought it was a great idea talk. too, but in the doc, he seemed to have no yeah, remorse, yeah. regrets, nothing about it. He did not come I mean, off very well. And I he, know, I And know. you I did hit the, the right guy. guy. I hit the right okay, guy. Okay, good. I, that the was right the other guy. guy. Everybody did hit the wrong guy. Not the wrong guy. That guy- we, he's just not on TV, but he's not telling nobody he made a bet, which it happened like it's a mistake. So he should come out and I really apologize. Don't do what John did. I was trying to tell John, like, what do you like? Just do it and don't you making yourself look crazy on TV, my guy. Yeah. You know, I'm like the whole purpose is we make mistakes. Yeah. But I gotta understand, Ron, because obviously you're you're probably uh, you know one of the strongest guys in that stadium. But when you go into the crowd. In Detroit, where they're fucking nuts. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> there, there could have been 200 people on you in about five I wasn't seconds. worried about that. <laughs> there's nah. no nah. thought. You're just like, I'm getting that guy. I wasn't really. I mean, if somebody, I mean, in my neighborhood, I'm taught that if somebody hits you, you got to respond, you know, um, because if you don't, then, and this is what we taught, you know, if you don't, then they'll bully you. Right. And I've, I've been bullied before. But then I was—I vowed to never let that happen again, right? So for me, you know, that's—that's that's what happened at that moment. You know, um, I, you know, I travel by myself. I'm in my hood by myself, right? And I don't let no one bully me, right? So that's where—that's where my mindset was. So when I got back, you know, I, and I, I had—I had an issue with one person, nobody else. I had no issue with nobody else. Just one person, you know. And then when I, when I came back on the floor, then the other guy comes to me, and I—I I saw him. But then when I looked at the tape years later. It, three people tried to jump me. Oh, yeah. It, three people. <laughs> yeah. This shit was crazy, man. Yeah. I couldn't believe I, I, it. I have a question, Ron. You see, you see all these things that, that happen now with people, whether they're throwing things and they're saying things. And So this is 17 years ago. What, is that any, does that look any different today? Do you think you guys as players would have gotten more support from the league and fans around the league? Or do you think it would have been worse or better or the same? Or what do you think if that happened today? Well, I just think mine was so quick. You know, like when I got hit, I just, I was there in five seconds, maybe two seconds, three seconds. Right. Yeah. Versus like, you know, other guys was thinking about, you just hit me with popcorn. Um, you know, like right. they not, I'm like quick up there, I'll jump up there. <laughs> <You did. laughs> right. So I think um, mine was the first of its kind. And then I think now guys see that if you go into the stands, even if you get hit, you could lose a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's not honestly, it's not worth it. You know, it's not yeah. worth you know going into fighting a fan. And I yeah. want to go. I want to go back to it. So in the doc, they said basically 
Jamal Tinsley tells you you can take a hard <laughs> foul now. Is that is that a true? Is that what happened? Because and Ben Wallace, I just I got a couple of things because they said in the doc that like you guys were all really friends and I'm not fight, friends. Okay, I'm like the <laughs> fight's not really a fight, but that was really a fight. And Ben Wallace, you're you're badass. Ben Wallace too is a big, big, a big tough dude. guy. Like so, but he. Is that just a pushing match or could that have escalated into punches? Well, the thing was this, like, I escalate things. I know nobody (laughs) escalates it how I escalate it. So when I fouled Ben, and it was a foul, and then I I, I meant to say, if you look at the doc, you'll see my hands go like this, like, you know, sorry about the foul. That's what that was. But he was so upset, he just turned around and pushed me. Yeah. I I didn't run to the, I didn't run nowhere. I just let my momentum take me back. <laughs> yep. you know, I didn't yep. run, and then he was on the bench, and I just—I'm not worried about nobody punching me because if you do that, then I'll then I'll respond, right? I wasn't worried about anything, and that's why I laid on the bench. I you got this big, strong guy. I'm la- I'm literally laying, <laughs> yeah. like not worried about it because what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? Another shove, <laughs> yeah, another yep. push. Uh, yeah. I'm not worried about that. Okay, I'm- but you said in the thing, and, I, and I'm interested, we were actually, before you got here, we were talking about going to therapy. Kevin's never actually been. Kevin and I go all the time. <laughs> but you you were lying down on the bench, which apparently angered some of the guys. Were you really <laughs> trying to, like, calm your anxiety? Is that true or what? I mean, I just, well, for me, it was just like, I knew nothing was going to happen. <laughs> Maybe a yeah. shove and a, and a like. What are you doing? Right. So it's just over. I just, I, I mean, I know I'm not going to get punched in the face. Right. You know what I'm saying? I knew, I knew that wasn't going to happen. Right. Right. So yeah. what am I worried back. about? My team's there. Yeah. You know, um, I've been, I've been, I've seen people try to fight and be like, oh, I'm going to beat you up. Hold me, don't hold me back. Don't hold <laughs> yeah, yeah, me back. Yeah. Dylan does I that. I just didn't feel like doing it. I didn't feel like doing it. I was just like, yeah, you know, it's not a big deal. I didn't. I just thought it wasn't a big deal. I didn't think mm-hmm. it was just going to ask. It wasn't a big deal. No, it really wasn't. It wasn't a big deal. Right? It was just like a little fight. So it was yeah. like, you know, we move on and we go to the locker room. <laughs> so, we go home. so tell me, yeah. like, you know, for us, we're three diehard Nick fans. Reggie. No, 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 bro. Oh, you're I'm not? Laker fan. But wait, oh, how many times are right. going to talk Sorry. about it? <laughs> you're, in, you're in the booth. Doesn't matter. Dylan and I are real New Yorkers. We're real New York Knicks fans, as as is meta or was or whatever. Yeah. But. Reggie ruined a lot of my childhood, Michael Jordan, Reggie, whatever. (laughs) But when I watched this doc, I really, you know, I felt for Reggie. So tell me, A, how's your relationship with Reggie Miller now? Um, And B, was there, you know, was there, did you have a real talk with him about it at some point or how did that go down? Not really, you know, um, you know, the brawl was something that I never wanted to let change me. So before the brawl, I go to practice and I pretty much go home. I was a young parent. I had three kids by this time Mm. (laughs) during the brawl. Right, so I'm I'm like a vet. So I go to practice, I work hard, I go home for the most part. So I wasn't really building relationships at the time. I'm thinking about my children most of the time. Now, a lot of a lot of people didn't have as many kids as I had. Um, so and I wasn't the type to, you know, go get lunch with people and go get dinner. So I've never I've never built a relationship, you know, before. And then when the brawl came, they had my back, which was I was like, wow, this is crazy. When the season came, I got right back into sort of a work hard mode, you know, go to go to practice, go to the games, go home. So I was never able to really build a relationship, you know, um, which is why I like today's game. I really like how guys have like friends. Yeah. <laughs> guys mm-hmm. say no friends. Like I had a note when I played with the Lakers, I would give it to the trainer and I'll look at it because I'll be forgetting and I'll be nice to guys on the court. But then when I'm playing, I don't have friends. I had to remind myself that I have no friends. You know, mm-hmm. so I would have to take this note. He sent me the note before every game. All right, cool. 
no friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, uh, yeah, and so that was like my, that was my career, you know, introvert sort of, with the exception of a few. Yeah, well, you know, I, think it's, I think that's what makes it such an interesting time for sports. Mental health, people's backgrounds are now, you know, people take that into consideration when people do actions, whatever they may be. And we see it going on with Naomi Osaka and, yeah. uh, you know, Marshawn Lynch several years ago. Simone where, Biles. You know, Simone Biles. Yeah. And and now people which, Kevin Love, Kevin Love, yeah. who who was also on Entourage, who we love, and and I think it's it's really interesting that now people are taking the time to go, okay, you know, some people are dealing with other stuff. Ben Wallace at the time, he just lost his yeah, brother his when brother, that fight yeah. happened. So, yeah. wow. um, but what regrets do you have about anything in your career? You were such an incredible athlete and a great basketball player. Do you feel you maximized your potential or no? For sure, they maximize it. Yeah, for sure <laughs> yeah. not. And it's crazy, like, I didn't maximize it, but, you know, I have, like, the defensive player of the year. Then I was probably going to get it the year I got suspended. Mm -hmm. So that's one that's missing. I just became an all-star. I was gonna, I was definitely going to be an all-star again. That's another one missing. I was 13 more NBA before that, so that's another one missing, <laughs> you know? And then I get back to Indiana after the brawl. I get suspended, so that's more awards missing and then Ben gets defensive player of the year I love Ben um, he gets defensive player of the year the brawl year and then the next year you see what I'm saying so that yeah. legacy and I always tell people make the right decision because legacy's on the line yeah. well, I think you know what I'm saying I think yeah. that's legacy's the thing. on the line that's the thing a lot of people don't understand. You got to be blessed with a couple of things. One, you got to have the athletic ability. And two, you got to have the mindset that's mm -hmm. going to push it every single day. Because I believe you had Hall of Fame potential if, still, like you still said. Still got a shot. Yeah, I, got, with all I'm that being said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still got a shot. You yeah, racked no up some pretty good numbers. Oh, I'm he, he, he was It's going to be very hard. He was great. Conley wants Super to know what, what did you think when Frederick Weiss went to the Knicks before you? Like, did that uh, <laughs> was that was that a, a punch in the face? Let's talk about talk oh about my a guy goodness. that turned out to be a zero. My okay, but, he's but, a good guy. I met him once. But it's I the New York Knicks. He never You're, recovered when Vince Carter dunked on him in the Olympics. Oh, okay, but for, forget Frederick Weiss for the minute. The Knicks are right there. We missed Steph Curry by a pick. We got. You're right there. Were you thinking, okay, wow, okay, it's 15th pick is coming up. I'm going to the Knicks. I'm going home. Were you thinking that's going to happen there? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I had I, I tell people all the time. So that day, and it was I think it was my fault, by the way. I didn't get picked by the Knicks. So uh, Because when I was going to my first workout with the Knicks, I went out to Flamingos the night before. <laughs> right? So I go, I'm hammered at Flamingos. I can't get out to bed. I called my agent. I said, you got to tell the Knicks, I cannot get out to bed. I am drunk. I'm, I, I I Can we push it. this to Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly, right? So I tell them, can, can I just come back next time? Like, like I've been here before. Just imagine that. And, the, and they say, yeah, no worries. And then it was like, no no second workout. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm, I'm they're going to pick me. They're going to pick me. So that 15 pick come. And I had, meanwhile, I had the Nick jersey under the under my suit that day. Goodness. Cause I was gonna rip it open. Wow. Right? So meanwhile, I have the Nick jersey and the shorts under. And I just can't wait for them to pick me. And then they 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 they, they pass me. I'm sick. Wow. I'm looking at the gym like you must want to fight right now, <laughs> man. I was pissed. Right? So you're gonna do the Superman, rip the yeah, suit off open. and just yeah, show that we, Nick jersey. Mm, uh, let's go. We gone. We're on this championship. 
I remember how bummed I was. I mean, I wanted you on the Knicks so well, bad. But it was, was my fault. Yeah. The, the people were shocked, right? And then the only it was clip my fault. they had was that Vince Carter dunk of the guy. Like, this is the guy. Well, that- I didn't even think you were going to go. I, I honestly didn't think you were going to go that low anyway. So when you were around for the Knicks, I was like, come on. Yeah. But I was asking my agent, can I please go to the Knicks? Like, please don't. I don't want to go anywhere. And so he's like, Ron, him, maybe you got to, you know, like, get to sleep to, earlier. I was trying to tell him, like, please tell those other teams I don't want to be there. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. It was a great draft wanna... class, too. It was a really good, a good draft, draft class. class. A lot of guys in that draft class, right? A lot of guys. We had, we had a good, it was a solid class. Elton Brand, number one. Baron Davis. Steve Francis. Francis. Steve Francis. <laughs> solid class. Yeah. Solid class. But still, you should have gone earlier, and you should have been a Nick, and, you know, But it's whatever. okay. I still love the Knicks. I still want to see them win a title, and. I got a chance to play for the Knicks. Yeah. So that was a blessing. Yeah. yeah. That was a blessing. I was, man, I was so happy. It was, the, you know, one of the greatest experiences of my life. Being from New York. Yeah. And being able to put a Knicks jersey on, you know, like, I was so grateful. When I got there that year, it was really, it was all bad timing because my sister just passed away. So we in training camp. And I'm literally, I can't sleep because I'm dreaming about her. Alan Houston came to the funeral, actually. Oh, wow, man. And, and and Mr. Mills. So they come to the funeral. I can't sleep. I'm going to sleep at 8 a.m. every day. I'm waking up at 9 to go to practice. Mm. Every So they knew what I was going through. And I was so cranky. I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? For a month. And this is, what do you think this is? Uh, depression, anxiety? Like, well, what, my what? sister just passed. Yeah, it was just yeah. crazy. You know, it was just, it was just crazy. Passed the cancer quick. Wow. You know, and I was just like, and I was trying to, hold it together but when I would get then I, and I and I wanted to win this title with the Knicks even though I was just looking straight forward this is the one opportunity you know to win a title with the Knicks even though we're not that good but who cares like let's give it our all yeah and then so with that type of passion and with the the lack of sleep uh you know I was very intense and even you know I I, I had a real short fuse <laughs> my last year <laughs> very short fuse um got into it with you know some people you know, um, and I was just more focused on we got to win this title because we don't know we're going to have an opportunity. And I don't know if I'm going to be back here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So leave all the BS around. We, and, and so, you know, I was very, very direct with, with a couple people. And then they got rid of me in January. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So, so Meta, I mean, I think everyone is listening. And, and I think everyone, like the three of us in this room, it's like maximizing your potential and letting not personal shit get in the way of it. But now you do, you really seem like a really focused, happy, personable yeah. guy. Now what, what, what's been the biggest change for you and, and how did that happen? I mean, I, I think over time, just being content, you know, like what makes you happy. Right. Um, and I know, I remember when I first retired, I was, um, I came to LA to party quite honestly. <laughs> I came here to party, 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 <laughs> right? Um, and, but then I had to downsize my thought process on who I am, you know? Yeah. And I started to do that about 2015. It's like, you know, just relax, chill out. You don't need the limelight. You don't need to always show up, you know, impressing. And just, like, live your life. Like, be happy. That's it. And I think that really helped me out tremendously, you know? And um, then I, I got off, like... I deleted my Instagram, deleted my Twitter, you know, um, just to, like, be myself for a while, you know, mm-hmm. um, and kind of remove myself from the NBA lifestyle that I personally had. You know, and then I think it was great. You know, I think I was able to be around my kids more. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing television. I was turning down everything. I was home every day. You know, got a chance to take my kids to school, see them when they come home, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it's just great, 
you know, now they all in college now. And um, that's the most important thing right now. You know, my wife, my kids, my son's at USC. Nice. Um, basketball? Any basketball players? Well, he had a basketball. Like one of they, both my sons had uh, basketball scholarships. My one son oh, that nice. went to UCI had a scholarship, but he was also um, he's a computer science major. He's a developer, wow. so he was managing development while on basketball scholarship and playing pretty well, by the way. That's mm-hmm. awesome. But then he's such a good developer. You know, um, he just chose to develop, so he went to USC for. Um, Cinema, like CGI stuff. All right. Then my other son's trying to go to G League, and my daughter's in college. That's great. Nice. Amazon, glad ever- is it is it true that you donated your ring? Yeah. Your championship ring to to a, a, a mental health awareness. What 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 was the story behind that? Because that's pretty incredible. Yeah, man. It, it was just um like when I won the ring. First, I always wanted to win a ring with Indiana, you know. And so for me, it was just like if you put your mind to something, you. You're not gonna go into it with the intentions on failing, you know? Mm. You wanna win, right? You're not gonna accept failure. So since I didn't win a ring with Indiana, I felt like that ring wasn't real to me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was, but it's I real. I I yeah. you hit that it big real, three. You hit that three, bro. That three I, I was real. <laughs> yeah, that was for sure real. It was real. <laughs> real nice. But it was just like not winning the ring with Jermaine and not winning the ring with that team. I feel mm. like I didn't accomplish everything. I'm like an all or nothing guy. Yeah. I got rid of my award. I had no awards. Got give them away. You know, my ring got rid of, you know. Um, so for me, it was like, you know, it wasn't, it, it was supposed to be like two rings and three defensive player of the years and more all-stars. And since mm-hmm. I don't have that, it's like, all right, this, this is yeah. not what I, I don't want one trophy wow. or yeah. one ring. Yeah. <laughs> I need multiple. So if, to me, it feels like I didn't accomplish nothing, but it's good because it keeps me motivated for yeah. the next thing I do in my life to see it through yeah. and try not to make the same mistakes. So I just gave the, raffled the ring off, raised 670000 gave all the money away to mental health institutions. That's and, amazing. Nice. You know, it's a good thing. The Lakers was a part of that. You know, I'm still, you know, work with the Lakers to today. I'm really grateful for the Lakers, but personally, I didn't accomplish what I was set out to do, which is win a title in Indiana, right? And has has Reggie and Jermaine forgiven you? You didn't. You you kind of skipped my Reggie Miller question. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Do you talk to Reggie or no? (laughs) I'm not. I mean, on he actually reached out a couple times. He uh, threw a direct message on Instagram, you know, and also um, he put the ball, the brawl brothers when when the doc came out. and we kind of like each other pictures sometimes. Right, right. So you could tell, you know, that someone is like, they see you and he's busy and I'm doing my thing. So, but we never ever had that type of relationship where, hey, let's go to dinner. It's the same. Yeah. But he's always, a, he's mature. I was a young, uh, stressed out player. He was a vet. So he was even looking at me different. The same way when I was a vet, how I'm looking at the young players, even through their mistakes. Right. They can make a mistake that could affect us. But it's like, you know, they're young. We have to teach them. You know, we have to mentor them. So from his perspective, yeah, we could have won a title, but he's he was mentoring. He understanding of players and things we go through, you know, so it's, it's been the same, you know, with Reggie. Reggie's just a great guy. Yeah. Good. And uh, I know he plays ping pong. I'm supposed I to be set up. Me and Reggie are going to go at it. Reggie Miller is going to spank you. He's Reggie Miller. You're a great ping Doug, by, you're the best ping pong player I know. By the way, a year ago, Su Yen, who, who, who taught Kevin Dillon for the show to play ping pong, taught him so <laughs> She's good. Uh, She's but uh, really anyway, good. Back, three years ago, And he's ago, taking lessons, bro? Forget it. Three, year, three years ago, I would have beat, beat the hell out of Reggie. I haven't played a lot yet, but I'll get back into it. I'd love to play Reggie. But uh, <laughs> who was the toughest 
guard for you? Who is, I mean, is it Kobe? I mean, who is it? Um, I think Jordan was the toughest for me to guard. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I played, he was older, but he was just really good. Yeah. <laughs> like he yeah. is, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> really good. I've been to LeBron. When LeBron was younger, he was still really good. But when he got older, he became tougher. Kobe was always consistently kind of tough. But me and Kobe, we missed each other during the era because I was on the East and I was suspended. You know? right. yeah. So I, I didn't really see Kobe until 2006 right. consistently. You know, um, And he, at that point, he was tough at that point. And then LeBron, I saw LeBron more 2003, 2004, 5, tough. And then Kevin Durant later became tough. Mm-hmm. In the beginning... He was really talented, but I think I gave him a different look. Then when he got stronger, then he became tough. But overall, I would have to say, I think Jordan was just the toughest. Yeah. Do you Even do you older. keep up with the game still? Do you watch it? Are you yeah. you watch you watch it regularly or is it something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All the time. What I'm, do you think of the upcoming season? And what do you think of the Knicks? I love Julius. He was on the podcast. What, what do you think of the Knicks coming up? Well, you know, I just want to see the Knicks win a ring. Me too. Yeah. You know, so I'm just like, I'm not in the front office. I know nothing that was happening there, you know, but I see the team yeah. and I'm just like, okay, this is what we have this year. Yeah. All right. But we got Kemba Let's go. Now. We got Kemba, another home homeboy. So uh, another New York grown kid. So that would be incredible to see yeah. the Knicks win a ring. That would be incredible. Who was your favorite growing up? Did you have a favorite player, a Nick player, or just Bernard? I, nah, uh, he was. He's before maybe I, Ewing. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, uh, Oakley. Yeah, I mean, Oakley's, Oakley's your kind of guy. Anthony Mason. Anthony. I love Anthony Mason. All the guys. The, yeah. the whole team was. They wasn't like John Starks. Starks, Anthony, um, yeah. Ward. Ward. They, they wasn't yeah. like the most talented, but they were just so tough. Uh, we Ward was just steady, right? I, I, yeah. And can you imagine them throwing Oakley out of the fucking garden? I mean, is that insanity or what? I mean, you know, it was kind of crazy to see, you know, and I, I saw it. I didn't read no stories, but I was like, you know, was, I, I was interested in it and curious. You know, um, I don't know what he said. I seen some things. I wish that would have never happened. You know, I don't think it was supposed to happen. No, um, apparently, no. he was trying to talk to, I guess, the owner, I guess. Yeah, it, was, it just I mean, is an ugly, it's a black eye for the Knicks. You know, Charles yeah. Oakley is the, the guy. The bottom man. line is nobody, yeah. nobody in New York likes the owner, Dolan. And, uh, you know, Charles Oakley should be able to say whatever he wants in the garden, provided he's not threatening anybody or anything. And then you know? Ewing had a hard time getting into the uh, garden yeah, at yeah, some yeah, stage. Yeah. What's up? Right, I did see that, lam- too. Spike Lee had a hard time Patrick getting in Patrick Ewing didn't have a laminate or something <laughs> stupid? <laughs> like he needs a laminate. Uh, we want to talk about a couple couple of things but you've got this new app coming out tell us about that it's fun man it's so it's called xverse exports and when i retired i still wanted to play basketball i played 18 years and i wanted to do 20 so when i was re- when they uh not retired when they kind of pushed me out and yeah. you're, getting, you're getting a little old <laughs> i wanted to go travel the world and play basketball so my thing was i wanted to go to croatia serbia because they have a lot of great ballers as you know tony kukoc mano ginobili so i was going to create this app to go travel and rather than give people my number and say, hey, call me and let's go meet at a park. So I just create an app. So after we play, I don't, you don't have my number, you know? Yeah, so yeah. when I was doing it, I was like, oh, wow, I should. And initially I was going to go by myself. But I said, I need to bring people with me. So I said, I might as well just bring basketball players. So when I, when I was going to do it, then more ideas started to come from this one idea. And I was like, oh, wow, this is going to get expensive. I got to get this paid for. <laughs> So I took a step back and said, how can I open it up for the masses? So what we just decided to do was create an app, sign up, create a basketball game, invite your friends to a game, at, input the total score. Now you can input your stats. 
Um, any level. Any level. Right. But it's like any it's level. like a pickup game app, right? So you could challenge guys on different levels that you wouldn't know from I, a different I place. love that. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. we're going to get our five and we're going to come to your town and play your five. Yeah. So basically wherever yeah. you are, you can find a game and that's and, and great. What's the app called? It's called XVS Exports. So X versus Exports, just based off competition. All right. Nice. And, and so and you got a podcast coming. Yeah. With uh, with podcast one, another yeah. rival of uh, Kevin Conley. Be careful! I don't know if we're allowed to talk about that in here, but what what's the podcast going to be about? So the podcast it's called Metaphorically Speaking. We actually came up with the name and did like I guess three shows in 2014, but we didn't really know how to distribute it. <laughs> it took a hiatus. We just yeah, we just you know <laughs> we just call it Metaphorically Speaking. And somebody said, Hey, let's do a podcast. I said, Hey, let's just do Metaphorically Speaking. We have it already. So you know, basically, Metaphorically Speaking gives people an opportunity to metaphorically speak, right? So <laughs> say what you want. You know, I had no plan. I had no direction, honestly. But I do like talking, you know, to people from different walks of life. Yeah. So honestly, I don't know which direction we're taking this thing, but that's how, Honestly, that's, that's sort of <laughs> how, how we were when we started. We knew we'd talk a little bit of entourage, which, by the way, it's always uncomfortable. We had DK Metcalf in here and Julius Randle so and Andrew Whitworth, these great athletes, and... DK had never seen Entourage, which we didn't know. And Dylan's uh, Dylan face. Dylan was devastated. Dylan's almost <laughs> crying. So Dylan cut him from his fantasy team. <laughs> so, man, you, did you watch Entourage? Do you know it? Are you familiar with it at all? Or? So it was, uh, yeah, I was on air for, what, five eight, seasons? Eight, eight seasons eight and a movie. Seasons. And the movie, right, and the movie. <laughs> so I did watch a couple of the, uh, of the, uh, Episodes. episodes. Yeah. But so when, so when, and then at that point, I was still in my prime, right? So at that point, everyone was trying to do Entourage, right? Everybody. <laughs> right. So we was like inspired by Entourage, you know? And I think um, Curb came after, maybe? Uh, no, before, which Curb is crazy. Before. And it's still going. Still going. And it's still going. <laughs> yeah. It's very cheap show. <laughs> so Curb, I didn't realize this was before. Yeah. So, you know, um, so from, from watching, you know, and at that time, loving entertainment, you know, it was very inspiring. Cool. You know, because and from Queens, right, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. just crazy. Like, yeah. you know, and it's like it seemed so easy. It seemed like it was easy to do. Like, just guys from Queens just got a show, a reality show, but it's not real reality. Like, <laughs> how is this even possible? Yeah, but it was cool. Obviously, it was a big hit. It was yeah. tough, and you know what? It's funny because it does. Sure, it seems easy, which I think the actors think it is easy, but it's not when you're writing it. But when mm. HBO was not moving forward after two years, um, I sold the show to FX with Shaq. That was basically, I mean, now they got Survivor's Remorse came out, but it was basically, uh, you know, the same show in the basketball world, which would have been interesting, except Dylan wouldn't be here. I'd, I'd probably have a podcast <laughs> with Meta right now. Maybe when we do the reboot, we could have Meta come on. That <laughs> yeah. would be awesome. Meta, you want to be in the reboot? Yeah, let's do it. There we go. <laughs> we got a commitment out of him. All right, last thing before we let you go we know you got to go but give me something good who's like who's the biggest asshole trash talker that you played against who'd you who'd you just really who really got under your skin to the point of like you really wanted to wanted to fight him actually i'm not gonna say wanted to fight but my favorite player i, I played against was probably matt harpering because you remember matt yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah but so that's, you know uh, you, do you know how tough he's a tough guy yeah all right so i love playing against him when I seen him at Utah, he was going to Utah, and I was getting ready for Matt, right? Like, because I know he's tough. He's like, he's how I want to play, smash mouth. You know, he's just playing football out yeah. there. And you don't play, you don't get a chance to play football out there a lot, right? <laughs> so, and I'm just like getting ready, stretching. I'm thinking about it the night before. I get to Utah, I forget what team I was on. Matt was in a suit doing commentary. <laughs> I'm like, 
what are you doing, man? Like, what? What's up? You, you hurt today? He said, no, I retired. Wow. I came here to you fight retired. you. I want to beat the hell out of you. You're in a suit. Shit, I, I, I love playing against him. It's, it was just. I did just not expect fun. you to pull Matt Harpering out of that on that card. I like it. Well, that he's a too, banger yeah. like that. Good he for was, him. He, he, he was a banger. Like he wasn't. You know, he he could shoot. He was okay. He wasn't, yeah. he, was, yeah. he wasn't a bum. But like the, the part <laughs> I loved about it was he he didn't complain when we were bang. One time I would I would bang him, hit him. He wouldn't complain. He'd get up. He tried to take my shoulder off one time. <laughs> had my shoulder wrapped in his arm and just pulled it. <laughs> and, you know, like try to break it. Right? Yeah, I'm just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I love this guy. Man. Who did yeah. complain? Who well, was, that's what I was going to say. Someone who didn't we're like not you. Even to... Saying that from from you, but who were the no, who was the most notorious whiner? Right? Not saying that you would be saying that, but who was known as being just a well? I want to hear. Planner. I would like to hear what Meta think. Who didn't like your <laughs> physical style of play? <laughs> like Connolly doesn't like when I get physical with him on the golf course. So I don't want to mention names because I'm trying to start a. But, <laughs> but I did. There, there were quite a few people that didn't play in the game. Yeah, like right. yeah. there were so many times where you come, you're coming to town and. They just wouldn't dress. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, guys. Oh, wouldn't. man. I, I would love play. to hear that. Hamstrings part. tighten yeah. up. I'm at the sit this in out, coach. All <laughs> like, like big time players, they just wouldn't. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't think nothing of it, but then my teammates would be like, they didn't want to see you tonight. And it's like all the time, like, not all the time, but sometimes guys would just like take the night off. Nice. That, that's a win for you, bro. It's a win. Nah, you like you like the physical battles. <laughs> but I got to tell you, Meta, I would have been nervous to dress for you. You played you, you know, whatever anybody wants to say. You were you were a beast out there, and you know, I'm glad things are going well for you now. And I, as as I said, I've been a longtime fan, and uh, I think for everyone who hasn't seen that doc, I think you'll see a very mm. different perspective on what happened that night, and uh, and. To me, and if things don't work out of podcast one, <laughs> there you go, there you go. Yeah, the door is always open. We're good with direction and helping you find your voice, but we'll talk about that. You don't get him in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get me in trouble with my brother. <laughs> podcast. All right, Meta, we love you, and, and thank you. Shout out to Queens and St. Yeah. John's, and uh, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again soon. And good luck with everything you're doing. You Absolutely, know? thanks for having me on the show. Thanks, thanks man. Absolutely. Appreciate yeah, it. That, that wraps up. You know, you got to give us, even though you don't know, but we'll have to give us a little victory but that wraps up another episode of victory the podcast i'm doug allen i'm kevin dillon victory victory there we go there we go